Hi, Dave Emery here. This is For the Record Program number 1192. The Oswald Institute of Virology, part 11. The 800-pound gorilla in the room. This is being recorded on Bastille Day of 2021, July 14th. And, uh... I wouldn't expect anything like the storming of the Bastille uh, anywhere in this country or uh, much of any place else anytime soon. Uh, There is a great deal more that we could be talking about vis-a-vis the coronavirus. However, I want to wrap up this discussion and move on to some other things, including and especially a long detailed history of some of China's relatively recent past. However, before we wrap up the coronavirus and talk about uh, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, let me remind you very quickly of three things, three links that are at the top of every program description and every Food for Thought post. One of those links will enable you to subscribe to the comments that are made for the most part by our expert contributing editor, Tara Frackle. That's capital P, T-E-R-R-A-F-R-A-C-T-Y-L. An important supplement for the information presented on this broadcast because, simply put, I cannot even begin to to cover anywhere near the bulk of what's going on, even in a one-hour weekly program. The second link will enable you to subscribe to the podcasts of For the Record that are being disseminated by sister station WFMU. If podcasts are the best way for you to consume the program, or there is a link at the top of each program description and each Food for Thought post, click on that link and you can subscribe to the WFMU podcast. And the last of those links will enable you to get the 65 gigabyte flash drive with all of my life's work on it through for the record 1156 that is from sister station kfjcfn for a tax deductible well you can click on the link and find out how much the tax deductible contribution is and i get no money from that or anything else on the website now Uh, As I intoned at the beginning of the program, we're going to wrap up, for the time being anyway, coverage of the coronavirus and the pandemic. I've been throwing myself into that body and soul uh, almost since the beginning of the lockdown, really before the beginning of the lockdown, since early February. And uh, indeed, the pandemic, the coronavirus, uh, covid 19 pandemic is something that is unmatched in my lifetime. Really nothing since the 1918 influenza pandemic have we seen something like this. Uh, very quickly, the title of the program, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. That's G-O-R-I-L-L-A, although I think given the almost certain man 
made nature of the virus. Perhaps we could call that the 800-pound gorilla, spelled G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A. The title, though, refers to the dichotomization, and we'll talk about this, in discussion of the origins of the virus. There are two possibilities that we are being allowed to think about. One is the natural origin, unquote, of the coronavirus, maintaining that it evolved naturally from uh, animal species, that carried the coronavirus, uh, this particular coronavirus being a bat-borne coronavirus, possibly according to the natural uh, origin of the virus hypothesis, uh, having traveled probably uh, first to an intermediary animal and then to humans. The other possibility that we are being allowed to think about is a lab leak theory, unquote, the notion that, yep, it leaked from what I have termed the Oswald Institute of Virology. Uh, That is my nickname for the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which, as I have indicated so many times in many programs, I believe was set up to uh, take the fall for the coronavirus in an elaborate propaganda and intelligence, that's as in uh, espionage, not intellect, an intelligence uh, campaign, uh, not unlike that which uh, painted Lee Harvey Oswald red so that uh, he could be labeled at one level as a communist when he was framed for the assassination of JFK and then killed before he could defend himself. In much the same fashion, I think the WIV was set up to take the blame for the coronavirus. Uh, we are again being told, well, either it was a natural hypothesis or it was the lab leak hypothesis. And uh, that really doesn't cut it uh, because, again, those are two possibilities. I think the lab leak hypothesis is simply ludicrous. What we are not being allowed to contemplate is what I think almost certainly happened, which was that the virus was deliberately developed and uh, created in a laboratory someplace. It could have been any one of a number of places, uh, given the contemporary technology, and then released via any one of a number of vectors, probably several different vectors, in Wuhan, China, and elsewhere. In terms of vectors, given that this is an aerial-borne virus and the fine aerial mist of the virus infects people, uh, it could have been disseminated via drones. There are insect-sized drones that are crafted to actually look like insects, and given the aerial-borne nature of the virus, they could have been used as vectors. One of the utilities of biological warfare is that it doesn't take many people to uh, effect a successful BW campaign, and the technology need not involve a large number of people. But again, we are being told, well, was it a natural origin, or was it the lab leak hypothesis, you know, imagine an echo chamber, and the 800-pound gorilla in the room, in my opinion, is the almost certain uh, 
hypothesis, the certainty that the virus was deliberately created but by the U.S., and then uh, China was framed for that. We've gone into an elaborate exposition of how uh, not only was DARPA investigating bat-borne coronaviruses, but there was a lot of research that was conducted in China, in particular at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, financed by a number of institutions, many of them Pentagon-related, and especially through the EcoHealth Alliance of Peter Bashek, whose name whose main financial sources are the Pentagon and a State Department subsidiary, the U.S. Agency for International Development, uh, which uh, often serves as a front for some of the nastiest CIA activities. I would note that USAID's PREDICT project trained many of the scientists at the WIV, so there could be any number of double agents there, perhaps mind control jobs, who could uh, either now or in the past or in the future uh, give us any one of a number of possibilities. But the financing of research into bat-borne coronaviruses at WIV and elsewhere through EcoHealth Alliance and uh, and through other Pentagon-connected vehicles. And uh, note again that Peter Bay, one of his top advisors, is David Franz, the former CEO, no, not the former CEO, excuse me, the former CEO, the commanding officer of Fort Detrick. And uh, we've noted in the past that right on the cusp of the pandemic, the U.S. Army's Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases, the top uh military biological warfare institution in this country at Fort Detrick was shut down in early August of 2019 by the CBC for unnamed uh, or undetailed safety violations involving uh, select agents, unquote, which have not been revealed, the nature of which had not been revealed due to national security, and I think things being the way they are, that is the way things will stay. Uh, the national security establishment, meaning the military and the intelligence community, are completely above the law, and they are also completely beyond the effective reach of journalism. But indicating the 800-pound gorilla in the room, a New York Times story of July 10th of 2020 by Carl Zimmer, Z-I-M-M-E-R, and James Gorman, G-O-R-M-A-N, group of virologists presses a case against the COVID lab leak theory. Reads in part, quote, I've been discussing, again, what a group of scientists uh, who released a paper arguing against the COVID lab leak theory. Then we see, skipping down and quoting, basically, it really boils down to an argument that because nearly all previous pandemics were of natural origin, this one must be as well, said David Millman, capital R-E-L-M-A-N, a microbiologist at Stanford University who organized the May Letter to Science magazine. He noted that he does not object to the natural origin hypothesis as a plausible explanation for the pandemic origin, but Dr. Roman thinks the new paper presented, quote, a selective sampling of findings to argue one side, unquote. 
and skipping down again. Um, an individual we have quoted many times is Dr. Richard E. Bright of Rutgers University, who has uh, argued very early on that this may very well not be a naturally occurring virus. Uh, he is apparently a, an exponent of the lab leak hypothesis. I would note before we continue that I've not only quoted Dr. Ebright but many others from the beginning of the pandemic. I have cited this as a BW weapon, not having escaped from WIV in China, but have it as part of a constellation of covert operations and overt uh, military maneuvers and commercial maneuvers and sanctions against China, a trade war, sanctions against companies and individuals, uh, covert operations and destabilization efforts in Hong Kong and Xinjiang province, among others, and uh, a media blitzkrieg, perhaps best exemplified in terms of the weaponized media coverage by an article in the New York Times in February 2020 in which a, quote, a pair of, quote, demonstrators, unquote, uh, described by the New York Times as dressed from head to toe in black and wearing masks, threw their Molotov cocktails into a building that had been set up as a temporary uh I guess you could say clinic or treatment center for COVID sufferers. If you were in a building or a room and a couple of people came in dressed all in black wearing masks and hurled Molotov cocktails, you wouldn't say, oh, there are a couple of protesters expressing their right to free speech. You would cite them as being what they obviously are, which is Terrorists. But that exemplifies the sort of media coverage we have been seeing in combination with the aforementioned destabilization efforts in Hong Kong, in Xinjiang province, which we have spoken about at great length, in addition to the U.S. withdrawing from the intermediate range missile treaty so they could develop uh, intermediate range missiles, many of them nuclear armed, and place them around China, naval maneuvers by the U.S. and other countries in waters adjacent to China, uh, other military moves, trade war, sanctions against corporations and individuals, and again, a media blitzkrieg that is, well, if not unlike anything I've ever seen, as vehement and frankly obvious as anything I have ever seen. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic comes in the middle of that and uh, the notion that it would be a coincidence that uh, with uh, EcoHealth Alliance, funded by Pentagon USAID, advised by David Franz from Fort Detrick, uh, with other Pentagon funding of bat-borne coronavirus research in and around China and the WIV, with people like Peter Bashek having said, yep, we knew disease X was coming, and here it is, with event 201 beginning in October of 2019, the same day as the military world games begin in Wuhan, China, with Avril Haynes, former deputy director of CIA under Obama, a key participant in event 201, now Biden's director of intelligence and uh, entertaining the lab leak theory, the notion that right in the middle of all of this, a bat-borne coronavirus from China would just happened to cause a worldwide pandemic uh, is asking an awful lot 
of coincidence. But Richard E. Bright was saying this was not a natural virus from the beginning. Now he has planted himself in the COVID lab leak theory. Returning again to the New York Times article from July 10th of 2020. But Richard Ebright, a a molecular biologist at Rutgers University and a persistent critic of attempts to diminish the likelihood of a laboratory leak, said that this was a straw man argument. What these people are ignoring is not only the aforementioned synopsized account of the Pentagon-DARPA EcoHealth Alliance funding of research into bat-borne coronaviruses in and around China and through WIV, but they are ignoring this. Now, bear in mind that that research leads to the publication of papers featuring the genomes of those bat-borne coronaviruses. Then, once they're published, this kicks into effect. And I apologize to people who have heard this before, but I think this really needs to be repeated, repeatedly, so to speak, uh, in order to drive it in, because we're being told, well, was it a natural origin, or was it the lab leak theory? Uh, maybe it was something else, boys and girls. Uh, from the Guardian of June 19th of 2018, a very important article by Ian Sample, S-M, capital S-A-M-P-L-E, Synthetic Biology Raises Risk of New Bioweapons, U.S. Report Warns. And there was a uh, an organization, a research uh, group from the U.S. National Academy of Sciences uh, that did the research at the request of the Department of Defense. It was led by Michael Imperiali from the University of Michigan. And they found that, vis-a-vis synthetic biology, advances in the area mean that scientists now have the capability to recreate dangerous viruses from scratch, make harmful bacteria more deadly, and modify common microbes so that they churn out lethal toxins once they enter the body. One more time. Advances in the area mean that scientists now have the capability to recreate dangerous viruses from scratch. They can make harmful bacteria more deadly and modify common microbes so that they churn out lethal toxins once they enter the body. Also, in the report, the scientists describe how synthetic biology, which gives researchers precision tools to manipulate living organisms, quote, enhances and expands, unquote, opportunities to create bioweapons, unquote. And another key quote, today, the genetic code of almost any mammalian virus can be found online and synthesized. Again, today, the genetic code of almost any mammalian virus can be found online and synthesized. Quote, The technology to do this is available now, said Michael Imperiali, again quoting, It requires some expertise, but it is something that is relatively easy to do, and that is why it tops the list, unquote. Other fairly simple procedures can be used to tweak the genes of dangerous bacteria and make them resistant to antibiotics so that people infected with them would be untreatable, unquote. This is the 800-pound gorilla 
in the room. Again, we're told, was it a natural virus, naturally occurring virus, or was it a COVID lab leak theory? Those dirty yellow Chinese, you know, they were experimenting on viruses and they screwed up, and now because the Communist Party of China lies and will not uh, affect transparency, we can't find out about it. And again, if you are going to discredit uh, the largest country in the world and the second, and decouple the second largest economy in the world from the rest of the global economy, uh, this is a very good way to do it. What we are not being allowed to really think about is what I think is almost certainly the case, which is that, yes, this is a laboratory-made virus, but it damn bloody well didn't leak from the Oswald Institute of Virology. And people aren't talking about these people have to know about the possibility that this thing can, that such things can be done. I remember in 1985, an article in the New York Times which showed a tobacco leaf that had had genes from a firefly spliced into them. This is a, a vegetable, a plant that has had insect genes spliced into them, and the result was a tobacco leaf that glowed like a firefly. That is what was possible in 1985, and the technology has advanced exponentially since then, and the genomes of viruses and bacteria are a lot simpler to manipulate than those of tobacco leaves, insects, and so forth. So when we see this kind of, I think, really wicked rhetorical dichotomization, propagandized dichotomization. Was it a naturally occurring virus, or was it the lab leak? They are leaving out what I think is by far and away the most probable uh, explanation, which is that this was a covert operation, a weapon of war, a psyop involving the elements that I have spoken about. It is unthinkable that... These extremely intelligent, well-educated men and women, the the various uh, scientists and biologists involved in this, they have got to know about this technology. They know about the CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R, all in caps, nine technology, the CRISPR technology, and they must know about the possibility that these things can be done and be done relatively simply. Uh, The only mention of the possibility, I think the certainty of this was in the very conclusion of a New York Magazine article from January 3rd of this year, 2021, by Nicholson Baker, who mentioned it in the very, uh, near the very end of a long cover story in New York Magazine. And I think the false dichotomization of the origins of COVID, either natural or the lab leak, excluding what I think is the overwhelming probability of a deliberate creation of the virus and its use as part of the constellation of of, uh, overt and covert operations against China is, well, I think it's damned evil. And it is very difficult for me to believe that uh, all of these people just can't seem to uh, wrap their brains around this. I think many of them uh, may in fact uh, be intimidated. That's something I very much uh, hold open. And beyond that, uh, a lot of these people also 
have government contracts uh, a largely overlooked aspect of President Eisenhower's famous farewell speech about the military-industrial complex warned that nothing blunts intellectual curiosity more than a government contract. And an awful lot of these scientists and doctors and researchers have government contracts, or if they say or do the right thing, they will get government contracts, and that can be remarkably uh, effective at blunting intellectual curiosity. Something else that I think uh, is uh, really important to contemplate, and that is some of the pressure that has been uh, directed toward scientists and microbiologists uh, in connection with COVID-19. We've spoken about this before. There is a Bloomberg News article from June 27th of 2021 by Michelle, or Michael, M-I-C-H-E-L-L, F-A-Y Cortez, C-O-R-P-E-Z. The title, The Last and Only Foreign Scientist in the Wuhan Lab Speaks Out. This is about a woman, uh, an Australian citizen named Danielle, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E Anderson, and she was, the la- again, the last and the only foreign scientist in the Wuhan laboratory, and she dismisses, although she says she can't write it off, she is overwhelmingly disposed, officially at least, to the natural origin of the virus. She certainly does not believe any there was any uh, lackadaisical uh, or haphazard operations at Wuhan, and she is dismissive of the lab leak hypothesis, although she says, well, it certainly is possible. What I want to note in connection with the 800-pound gorilla in the room and the false dichotomization of discussion of the origins of COVID into, well, was it natural or was it the lab leak omitting? Uh, was it deliberate, but not a lab leak, but something that was deliberately created in the U.S. and then uh, basically blamed on China? Note the following, again from this Bloomberg News article, June 27th of 2021, by Michelle Faye Cortez or Michael, uh, the last and only scientist in the Wuhan lab speaks out. Despite this, Danielle Anderson does think an investigation is needed to nail down the virus's origin once and for all. She's dumbfounded by the portrayal of the lab by some media outside China and the toxic attacks on scientists that have ensued. One of a dozen experts appointed to an international task force in November to study the origins of the virus, Anderson has not sought public attention, especially since being targeted by U.S. extremists in early 2020 after she exposed false information about the pandemic posted online. The vitriol that ensued prompted her to file a police report the threats of violence many coronavirus scientists have experienced over the past 18 months have made them hesitant to speak out because of the risk that their words will be misconstrued. Uh, one wonders to what extent there is a um, an anti-virologist 
uh, McCarthyism taking place in the context here, where uh, virologists or doctors or scientists who uh, are uh, against the notion that there was a lab leak from the Wuhan lab, are being intimidated and threatened, either actually criminally or professionally, and thereby driven into silence. In that regard, I would note that the anti-China effort really gained steam under Donald Trump. His attorney and political, for many years, and a and a political mentor was the late Roy Cohn, who was the chief legal uh, water boy, so to speak, for Joe McCarthy. And one of the, the centerpieces of McCarthyism in the late 40s and early 50s was the Who Lost China debate. We're, we're going to talk about that in a long upcoming series about the narco-fascist government of Chiang Kai-shek and the Kuomintang. But I wonder to what extent this, again, this dichotomization of the debate on the origins of the virus into, was it natural or was it the lab leak? Ignoring uh, the most probable, I believe, which is that it did come from a lab, it wasn't a leak, and the lab wasn't in China. It was from us and it was deliberate. Uh, I wonder to what extent the deliberate intimidation of virologists and scientists and doctors plays into that. Bear in mind that as we looked at uh, recently in a Vogue mag, a, a um, uh, oh gosh, it wasn't Vogue magazine, uh, a Vanity Fair magazine, long beat, a Vanity Fair magazine piece from June 3rd of this year, uh, initially debate, uh, research discussion of the lab leak hypothesis was deliberately suppressed within the Trump administration because they were afraid that the Pentagon and U.S. funding of that research uh, would, quote, uh, open up a can of worms, unquote, or open a, quote, Pandora's box, unquote. That would, uh, I think, follow naturally on an awareness of the information in that June 19, 2018 article from The Guardian by Ian Sample, uh, quoting the research that was uncovered by the group, uh, the body that was led by Michael Imperiali. Something else uh, that I think we need to uh, take into account, and this I find very disturbing, and that is uh, maybe this is just the beginning. Uh, a very, to me, very troublesome article from the Defense One blog of June 21st of 2021. The articles by Tara, P-A-R-A, excuse me, COP, capital C-O-P-P. This may not be the big one, unquote. Army scientists warn of deadlier pandemics to come, unquote. And I'm wondering if this one doesn't work, maybe this is just the beginning. Not only are we going to see worse viruses and deadlier pandemics, I suspect uh, these will be blamed on China or someone else in the third world, probably China, because this one doesn't seem to be working quite as well as expected. Uh, and bear in mind also that they are already developing vaccines for a worse 
coronavirus. And uh, as we looked at in our last program in the book Gene Wars by Charles Pillar and Keith Yamamoto, there was a discussion uh, of Jonathan, uh, they quoted Harley Strauss and Jonathan King as noting that the development of a vaccine against an, a previously stockpiled biological warfare agent could be viewed as an overt offensive biological warfare gambit. Uh, we don't know if there has already been stockpiling of worse coronaviruses, but given the technology described by Michael Imperiali in that in that Guardian article from June of 2018, uh, certainly such things could be created relatively easily. Um, this article, frankly, scares the fresh fertilizer out of me. And again, I think the vulgar... Military acronym Bohica, B-O-H-I-C-L, standing for bend over. Here it comes again, is relevant. Uh, very briefly, this article. The service is closing in on a pan-coronavirus vaccine and on synthetic antibodies that could protect the population before spread, but that may not be enough. The U.S. Army scientists who have spent the last year finding vaccines and therapeutics to stop COVID-19 cautioned that the nation remains vulnerable to a viral pandemic, one that could be even deadlier than the current one. Since the earliest days of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Emerging Infectious Diseases Branch at the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research has worked to develop a vaccine that would help patients fend off not only the original virus, but also new variants. And again, the last section of the article is interesting and disturbingly puzzling because the title is, If the Lab Leak Theory is Right, What's Next? Well, there is no discussion in this conclusion of the lab leak theory per se. What there is, is foreshadowing of a forthcoming, at least hypothetically forthcoming, and worse pandemic. Again, in the lab, if the lab leak theory is right, what's next? And it, it reads, creating a pan-coronavirus, vi- beginning again, creating a pan-coronavirus vaccine or synthesizing antibodies slightly ahead of a known outbreak still isn't enough, the scientists cautioned. Now, look the verbiage here. We're going to come back and uh, listen to something Donald Rumsfeld said that was quoted by the aforementioned uh, sainted Peter Bashek. Quote, We don't want to just treat what's in front of us now, Dr. Demetra Stratus Column said, that's capital S-C-R-A-P-I-S, hyphen capital C-O-L-L-U-N. Quote, I think we really need to be resilient from an army perspective. We need to be agile. We need to adapt to the threat that we don't know that's coming. I love this. We need to be agile. We need to adapt to the threat that we don't know that's coming. Read between the lines on that one. The likelihood this generation will see another pandemic during its lifetime, quote, is high, unquote. Really? Mojavab said, one of the scientists involved. We have seen the acceleration of these pathogens and the epidemics that they precipitate. And it may not be a coronavirus. 
This may not be the big one. There may be something that is more transmissible and more deadly ahead of us, unquote. We have to think more broadly, not just about COVID-19, not just about coronavirus, but all emerging infectious threats coming into the future, he said. Again, my fear is, and I don't think it is, quote, paranoid, unquote, to read into this, uh, certainly a reasonable fear that, in fact, just such a future epidemic, a worse epidemic, a worse pandemic, is, in fact, attended, uh, intended. I don't think it is uh, out of the baselines to uh, consider that possibility. So the likelihood this generation will see another pandemic during its lifetime is high. Well, this is the first real global pandemic that we have seen since the 1918 flu pandemic. Certainly there has been nothing like this. I would also note that uh, they're already working on the vaccine. One of the things we're going to touch on briefly, and that is the, the there are many aspects to this pandemic and to this virus. It has been the eugenic virus, uh, given the terrible things being done in the developing world and the fact that it is widening the gap between the developed world, which has been getting vaccinated, and the developing world, which already was behind and isn't getting vaccinated. Uh, and it was also the wealth concentration virus. But um, uh, saying the likelihood this generation will see another pandemic during its, its lifetime is high, unquote. Well, this is the first one since 1918. That's 100 years. I wonder if they know more than they are saying. And again, I find the verbiage here really disturbing. Once again, from the Defense One article, we don't want to treat, we're beginning again, we don't want to just treat what's in front of us, Dr. Demetra Stratus Cullum said. Quote, I think we really need to be resilient from an army perspective. We need to be agile. We need to adapt to the threat that we don't know that's coming. Now, in an independent science news article that we looked at in For the Record 1170 and came back to, uh, there is a quote from a press conference by Donald Rumsfeld that was then enthusiastically requoted and applied by the aforementioned Peter Daszak to viruses. Here is the Rumsfeld quote about terrorism. Bear in mind that Donald Rumsfeld was the chairman of the board of Gilead Sciences for many years, and they developed, uh, in partnership with the military, Remdesivir, uh, which was uh, deliberately gained by, quote, scientists uh, against COVID-19, unquote, a Trump group, in, uh, a group of Trump insiders, including Peter Peel and uh, Michael Milk and the junk bomb king, that deliberately gained remdesivir uh, ahead of other treatments. It is now the only, uh, well, the only approved, unquote, treatment in the U.S. Uh, it has turned out, as we looked at in a November 18th, uh, 2020 article from the New York Times, an op-ed piece, uh, it is not nearly as effective as it has been touted. And uh, it really, at this point, it, it can only be said that it may work. However, again, from the Defense One article, we don't want to just treat what's in front of us now. 
Dr. Dimitris Stratus Cohen said, I think we really need to be resilient from an army perspective. We need to be agile. We need to adapt to the threat that we don't know that's coming. And Donald Rumsfeld said, there are known knowns, there are things we know that we know. There are known unknowns, that is to say, there are things that we know we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns. There are things we don't know we don't know. This Rumsfeld quote is in fact from a news conference. In the subsequent online discussion, again, Peter Bashek emphasized the parallels between his own crusade against viruses and Rumsfeld's. Since according to Bashak, quote, the potential for unknown attacks is the same for viruses, unquote. Again, uh, the similarity in the quote from Donald Rumsfeld adapted by the aforementioned, <laughs> frequently mentioned Peter Bashak and what uh, military scientist Dr. Dimitra Strassus Cullen is saying is something I find very ominous indeed. I will also note that the pandemic has been a huge boon for big pharma, and among the newly minted billionaires are the CEO of Moderna, whose uh, mRNA vaccine was being supported by DARPA as part of the same pantheon of programs into bat-borne coronaviruses in China that may very well have spurred the pandemic and, and what I believe is a covert operation from the beginning. And also the uh, CEO of BioNTech, which has partnered with Pfizer, is also a newly minted billionaire. I <laughs> really don't like um, that Defense One article. And again, the, the conclusion says, if the lab leak theory is right, what's next? There's no mention of the lab leak theory anywhere in that conclusion. I think that they are talking about biological warfare and very possibly considering the same. Again, if the lab leak theory is right, what's next? And in the conclusion, there is no discussion of the lab leak theory. So why was the conclusion named, if the lab leak theory is right, what's next? Hmm. I don't like the possible answers. Uh, something we have spoken about, we originally discussed it in, for the record, 456, about Nazi and fascist connections to September 11th, the September 11th attacks. We have also come back to this in, uh, for the record, program number 1174 and 1176. Um, in 1998, William Luther Pudis, the director of the National Alliance, a prominent American neo-Nazi group or Nazi group, and the author of the Turner Diaries said in a, a 1998 broadcast called Stay Out of Tall Buildings, in one chilling commentary, Pierce, after noting that Bin Laden and the rest of the lost generation of angry Muslim youth had had it with their parents' compromises and were hell-bent on revenge against infidel America, issued this stark prophetic warning in a 1998 radio address titled Stay Out of Tall Buildings, unquote. New Yorkers who work in tall office buildings anything close to the size of the World Trade Center might consider wearing hard hats, Pierce warned. The running theme in Pierce's commentaries is, to paraphrase his hero Hitler, that Osama bin Laden's warning to America is, I am coming, 
and so is bioterrorism. In this 1998 broadcast, Pierce is not only foreshadowing fairly directly the attacks on the World Trade Center of 9-11, but also the anthrax attacks as well. And we looked at that in connection with uh, the Project for a New American Centuries, Rebuilding America's Defenses and their emphasis on biological warfare and uh, the genetically engin- genetic engineering of BW agents as a politically useful tool, unquote. And we've spoken about uh, PNAC and uh, the fact that they're advocated national security policy was put into effect by NSS 2002, crafted largely by Philip Zelico, who also chaired the commission that, quote, investigated, unquote, the September 11th attacks. There were so many, and according to Peabodale Scott, systematic omissions in that commission's report that we might permit the omission commission. Zelico is now going to be chairing a commission looking into the origin of the coronavirus, including the lab leak hypothesis. Uh, the climactic episode of the Turner Diaries, as we have looked at again in, in uh, for the record 456, is a low-level suicide aerial attack on the Pentagon that takes place on the German Day of Destiny of November 9th. Uh, think for a minute how a German or any other European would write the date November 9th. 9-11, of course. Of course, the Permanent Diaries is just a novel, and we all know that there could never be a low-level suicide aerial attack against the Pentagon, right? Right. Another thing, the order of the terror, the Nazi terror group in the Permanent Diaries does is they bring down a 100-story skyscraper in New York City. Well, again, this is just a novel, and I'm just a crazy conspiracy theorist from California. California! And we all know that couldn't happen in real life, right? Sure, couldn't happen in real life. Uh, in that context, I would note another thing that happens in the Permanent Diaries. Uh, the organization is the Nazi group that takes over the U.S. in the Permanent Diaries, and uh, from the Wikipedia a discussion of the Turner Diaries. The organization attacks China with nuclear, chemical, radiological, and biological weapons, which render the entire continent of Asia uninhabitable and rife with mutants, unquote. Well, that is something that is also forecast in the Turner Diaries. Uh, in this regard, we'll come back to it at some point. There has been a lot of discussion of anti-Asian racism uh, spreading in the U.S. Uh, pursuant to the pandemic. I would advocate that underlying uh, the anti-China effort is a very deep, not only neo-imperialist, but anti-Asian racism that uh, is not only deeply present in this country, but the West in general. Again, uh, after this program, we are going to begin a long series of programs about the history of China. We're going to begin with the Opium Wars, and uh, we're going to talk then about the narco-fascism of Chiang Kai-shek 
and the Kuomintang, because uh, Chiang Kai-shek, the leader of the nationalist Chinese, was not only a doctrinaire fascist, but his entire regime was inextricably linked with not only the very powerful green gang of Shanghai, but also with the Japanese as well. And one of the central points of uh, connection between Chiang Kai-shek's fascist government and the green gang and the Japanese, quote, enemy, unquote, who really were in many ways collaborating with the nationalist Chinese is narcotics. You really cannot study the modern history of China without studying dope. And we're going to do that in a long, long, for the record, series that will also be entered into the anti-fascist archives category as an AFA program as well. Uh, one of the, there is much more that we could look at in connection with the coronavirus. I would note that in another book put out by the National Vanguard Publishers, along with the aforementioned Turner Diaries, is a book I have spoken about many times called Serpent's Walk. And Serpent's Walk, again, is about a takeover of the U.S. by Nazis. Uh, the Third Reich in this book goes underground, which we know they did. They build up their economic muscle, which we know they did, through the remarkable and deadly Borman network, which dominates the international cartel system. And they buy into the opinion-forming media, which we know they have done through, among other institutions, uh, Bertelsmann, the publishing house of the SS, now with more than double the sales volume of any other English-language publisher. Uh, Cap City is also uh, strong links to the Borman Group, I believe, and they are deeply involved with the media. But in, in, in the Serpent's Walk, uh, the U.S. is devastated by uh, a virus called PACA, stands for uh, Pandemic Communicable Virus, which devastates the U.S. and which, among other things, causes horrendous lethal blood clotting among the symptom among the symptoms that the coronavirus is producing is blood clotting then after martial law is declared uh the the nazis who have infiltrated the military uh, take over the us after martial law is declared again one of the central elements in serpent's walk is a viral pandemic derived from biological warfare and it leads to a Nazi takeover. That too, I think, needs to be borne in mind because uh, in a sense we could uh, view COVID-19 as walking the coronavirus, so to speak. Again, there are many aspects to the coronavirus that uh, we have not had time to talk about. I've touched on them. It is, among other things, the wealth concentration virus. From an article authored by the aforementioned brilliant contributing editor Terra Fractal called Heads We Win, Tails You Lose, The Fascist Philosophy Behind the Leverage Buyout of Everything, uh, there is a synoptic account of how the rich have gotten richer in this country. April of 2020, American billionaires, and there, there are links to the various uh, items of information in this article. Uh, in April of 2020, American billionaires have gotten $280 billion richer since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
a month later, May of 2020, American billionaires get $434 million billion during the pandemic. August of 2020, American billionaires got $637 billion richer during the pandemic. September of 2020, a month later, U.S. billionaires got $845 billion richer since the start of the pandemic. The wealth of U.S. billionaires has risen by nearly a third from March, from April through September of 2020. By October 2020, U.S. billionaires saw their net worth rise by almost a trillion dollars between March and October. Jeff Bezos remains the richest, a study says. Well, he's since been passed by Elon Musk. There was a study released. Uh, Jeff Bezos could afford to give a one-time $100,000 bonus to all of the employees, not only of Amazon, but of its subsidiary companies, including Whole Foods. And Jeff Bezos would still be the richest man in the world and would have as much wealth as he had going into the pandemic. Not only have online businesses such as Amazon profited from the pandemic, but as we looked at in the very first two shows that we dealt with uh, about the pandemic, uh, for the records 11-11 and 11-12, there is a nexus between J. Kyle Bass and uh, Tommy Hicks. Uh, Tommy Hicks is a Trump, was a Trump, administration functionary who linked the business world with the CIA and national security establishment. He also was an investment investment partner with J. Kyle Bass and got rich off of the 2008 financial collapse. Uh, J. Kyle Bass, by the way, was inversely, inversely invested to the Hong Kong and Chinese economies. If those economies go down, then his investments went up. And obviously COVID-19 produced just such an outcome as did the destabilization and the resulting instability in Hong Kong. And again, J. Kyle Bass is linked to Tommy Hicks Jr. and uh, the network involving not only business elements, but covert operations. And with a little bit of uh, tipping and inside information, not only people like J. Kyle Bass, but a great many Trump administration insiders and or fellow travelers would know what stocks to buy and what stocks to sell short in order to make lots of money. So would hedge funds. I would note that J. Kyle Bass as revealed in a Wall Street Journal article, it was J. Kyle Bass who in 2007-2008 helped to bring down Bear Stearns. He was an insider at Bear Stearns and leaked the precarious financial position of Bear Stearns to the Wall Street Journal, which led to the collapse of Bear Stearns. So J. Kyle Bass is a veteran inside operator, so to speak. And by way of looking at uh, again, in a very eclipsed fashion, a very uh, attenuated fashion, what the pandemic has done. An article from Consortium News uh, from June 18th of 2021, this by VJ, P-R-A-S-H-E-B. And as with all of the articles in this uh, series, everything I do, I link to the source. COVID-19, every region of the world is worst affected. 
This could be said to be the neo-imperialist virus, the eugenic virus, and the uh, killing the developing world virus. Each month, the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, releases a monthly food price index. The release on June 3rd showed that food prices have surged by 40%, the largest rise since 2011. The impact of this food price rise will grievously hit developing countries, most of which are major importers of food staples. And it talks about how the pandemic has led to this uh, rise of food prices. And uh, I would note that uh, there has been a lot of discussion of the unequal distribution of vaccines between the, the developed world and the developing world, skipping down in this article. The effects of the collapse are, quote, highly uneven, unquote, further exacerbating what we call the three apartheids of our time, money, medicine, and food. Stall vaccination programs in countries such as India, which produces 60% of the world's vaccines, and grave debt challenges for countries such as Argentina, which cannot get wealthy bondholders to give it a grace period for debt servicing payments, prevent recovery and further the cascading phenomenon of hunger and despair. And again, the, the vaccine apartheid has been... Uh, liberally discussed uh, how the developed world has a much greater access to vaccinations than the developing world, leaving aside the whole issue of the, uh, this is a huge windfall for big pharma. Uh, normally, uh, there has, let's say, previous to this pandemic, there had never been a vaccine approved for human uh, use in this country in fewer than four or five years, but now many vaccines have uh, received emergency uh, authorization from the FDA, including the mRNA vaccines, the messenger RNA vaccines produced by Moderna with DARPA funding and by Pfizer BioNTech, uh, and uh, that BioNTech firm appears to have evolved from the nexus around Wacker Chemie and IG Farben. Uh, with, without emergency authorization, uh, it would have taken years and God knows how much money for the mRNA vaccines to get approval. But now they are being approved like crazy, and there is a tremendous amount of money being made. Again, the CEO of Moderna is a newly minted billionaire. So is uh, the Turkish, uh, the German of Turkish extraction, who heads up BioNTech as well. Uh, they say billions of dollars in trials uh, through the pandemic. No one knows whether there are any long-term negative effects of mRNA vaccines. Maybe there are none. Maybe there are terrible ones, but we don't know because they had never been used before and they were rushed into production, saving a tremendous amount of money for companies like Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech and making one hell of a lot of money for the people running those companies. So this is the wealth-concentrating virus. A lot of people uh, working in restaurants or working in the third world are being devastated, but the rich are getting richer, uh, a not a new phenomenon. But again... 
Uh, as we read the subject of the pandemic, at least for the time being, note the 800-pound gorilla in the room. We're being asked, well, was it a naturally or was the virus's origin natural, or was it the lab leak theory? No one is asking, did this come from the Oswald Institute of Virology? This concludes for the record program number 1192, the Oswald Institute of Virology, part 11, the 800-pound gorilla. This is being recorded on July 14th of the year 2021. I'm Dave Emery. Have fun.